familiar starting lyrics of Thursday uh, with the old radio ranch Roger sales with me Chris caves on with us already here and we were just I was complaining to him right before the show uh, I'll express a little bit more about that in a second it's the 30th of May and of course the people's Patriot Network and uh, I was uh, uh, kind of in a little bit of a panic it seems to be all right Chris and uh, um, in that Yesterday, I got another wonderful Windows update. You know, I've been putting it off. They give you these little alerts. Oh, hell. We got an update for you. (laughs) You want to do it now? You want to set it later? You want to just whatever? So you, whatever, whatever, whatever. And do it tomorrow. Then the message changes. Do it tomorrow. Boom, tomorrow, tomorrow, tomorrow. Well, at some point, Microsoft and all of their great vision, they go, well, listen, our little peons out there, they don't know what the hell they're doing, and we've got this great improvement, and we're just going to shove it right up. We're just going to shove it right up your barracks bag. Your computer can be sitting there sleeping off or whatever, and all of a sudden it just goes into update mode. And the problem is, as I told Chris, and and many of you don't understand this particularly because if you just got a regular computer and it does that, it doesn't really do too much usually. But but with our ability to do this program and the way that Paul has set us up here, there's like several pieces of software that all interconnect, and then you can't go in and troubleshoot. I can go in and with a regular computer and figure some of that stuff out, but you get into this, well, now everything's changed because there's two or three other pieces of software that have changed the whole setup routine, and it just gets over my head, and I'm not going to sit there and spend the time to figure all this out. That's Paul's ballywick, and maybe one day we'll be able to hire a full-time engineer. But anyway, so it worked, Chris and uh, what, what it was. Now I know what it was, uh, uh, the, the switch and why. So it looks like the minor update that they did yesterday, and it didn't take but a minute, uh, didn't screw things up too bad for us here today. So it's a Thursday. We're in the, what, tomorrow's the last day of the month, okay? And June will be, uh, Monday will be in June. And uh, I look for June to be extremely volatile. All the tea leaves, the marijuana leaves, however you want to look at it, they're all, if you're sitting there trying to read the marijuana leaves, uh, it looks like real rough road up ahead. And I believe it's going to start in June. I think we're going to see it. I think Bo Polney's right on, uh, on that little video he did with Greg Hunter. And, um, so we've waited a long time. We've been very patient. It's been uh, the the gold winter and the Bitcoin winter and all these other manipulated markets that these bastards can control, and uh, they're about ready to lose it. Now, that sets up. They're not, obviously, they're not stupid people, and uh, that sets up the idea that they're not really ever going to lose. Okay, and so what we've got to do is just get on the side and be their solid that is going to be affected by this in a positive manner. We discuss that a lot here, um, and we've got several avenues there for folks, and so that's pretty encouraging because I'm hoping we're going to turn a corner here next month, Chris. Uh, what has happened globally? <laughs> 
uh, there's a there's a severe lack of circulating currency out there. That is the problem that a lot of people are having is in the cash flow department. Okay, and uh, the uh, the what I believe is happening is the debt that they've hypothecated in so many different areas through so many different methods. Uh, you got to service that debt every month. Okay. It's those bills got to be paid or else real bad things start happening and they can't get enough people to go out and, and borrow money to get a, an excess reserve. You know, they keep telling us inflation's low, inflation's low. Well, that means there's no circulating medium out there. Okay. And so people don't have, because the velocity of money is what it's called, people, that velocity of money is as low as it's ever been since they started doing the figures. Okay, and that means it's not circulating amongst us. There can be a little amount of currency, but if it's circulating very briskly, it gives the appearance of prosperity. Okay, and what we've got now is people are clamming up, they're not spending, they're not borrowing, and there's very little circulating medium to service this huge debt load. Okay, that's one of the big things that's happening out there. And um, hopefully, uh, it, it's very interesting. I was talking, I mentioned yesterday, I had a conversation with Paul over the weekend. I'm going to tell a little story that he told me, okay, um, that stuck with me. I wanted to talk to him about it yesterday, and of course, he wasn't able to be with us this week. Um, we'll find out more about that next week. Paul has a real good friend who's a big-time banker up in the city of London, and uh he was calling, I won't give the firm and stuff that he's with. And um, he called him and, and they were talking, I guess, recently. And the, they were marveling about what we're talking about right here. And and he's in a area of the bank where they do loans to wealthy clients. Okay, And he was telling Paul that this really wealthy guy over there called and wanted to borrow $500,000 to pay his taxes. Do you know why? No, I'm kind of curious about that. Well, because he's got all of his investments over in these investments that are going to return these huge returns, and he oh. doesn't want to pull any out to go pay his taxes. So on rolling the dice on those bets, he was going to go borrow a half a million dollars to pay his tax bill. Okay. And that's a position many of us are in, you know, not, certainly not on that scale. Okay, but many of us all these years being little peon people and working folks and stuff, you take a little bit every month and, and you go buy something. You go buy Bitcoin, you go buy silver, you might buy a little gold, you might buy something for the future. And yet right now we know that that stuff is about to do some sort of an upturn and, and, and give us some satisfaction for all the sacrifice that we've made all these years sitting on it and disposing ourselves of that purchasing power in hopes of the future. And I think we're about ready to see a turn, you know, the, uh, and we can start pulling some of that money out of it when the returns are at a point where you feel justified to sell it and you don't want to go cry in bed at night because you lost so much. <laughs> well, some so, might observe that your banker friend of Paul's at the city of London was protecting his speculative investments. Sure by borrowing cash to pay the taxes to avoid pulling out what he expects to be exponential returns on his investments, uh, which 
likely will come to fruition. It's just a matter of when. It's a matter of when. Well, we're real close to the when, and that's been the problem. Is we've been sitting on this stuff thinking they, they just can't continue to pull this off. They just can't continue to pull it off. And somehow, if you haven't noticed, they continue to pull it off. Okay? I mean, well, every... Everybody of any renown out there in the in the metal space and the financial space that that I pay attention to, I've heard them just about to the man all say, "If you'd asked me when this thing's going to crash, I'd have said ten years ago." You know, uh, nobody can believe the mechanizations that they've pulled out of their hat to be able to pull this off. Okay. It's actually becoming very, very objectively bizarre. Because the clarendon Pliven model of the fractional reserve system, uh, expanding and contracting the economy as it will, uh, for whatever purposes, demonic or otherwise, they might have under their hat, their mad hatter's hat, uh, are really quite obvious, and more people are waking up to their deviosity and the preposterosity that economic forces cannot force up the metals markets and other consumable, well, not consumable, but uh, actual wealth investment protection vehicles. Uh, it's, it's just bizarre. It's, it's unbelievable. It and is. you cannot keep it unbelievable. Uh, people will wake up and realize the preposterosity of the fake system that's suppressing the prices of natural forces of consumerism and free markets. Well, you know, as I welcome Robert here, because we haven't heard from Robert too much lately. I'm glad to hear from you, man. Uh, the the Bible the Bible describes it as wailing and gnashing of teeth. Now that's, that's a very that's a very descriptive phrase, wailing and gnashing of teeth, and that's what we got coming with a lot of these people that, for whatever reason, have not been aware. Those of us that have been aware, and that's a much larger percentage these days for a lot of different reasons, uh, are taking precautions because, as it also says in that big old book there, a wise man sees danger and seeks refuge, doesn't he, Robert? Where are you refuging these days? Still up here in Washoe County, but I hope to return to um, Clark County later on this year when my uh, grand scheme plan comes to fruition. But uh, thanks for taking my call, by the way. I uh, just wanted to congratulate you on that great metaphor you used yesterday when talking about people who were a little itchy about filing their paperwork, the affidavit. Yeah. The metaphor you drew was, does the NFL referee throw a flag at the guy in Section C? <laughs> well, of course not. He has no control over the guy in Section C. And I thought that was just a wonderful metaphor that well, you dropped. You. I thought, wow. Thank, it is. And yes, it just, yes. that's one of those things that just gets handed to you. You know, I don't know where the hell it came from. It just came, and it came out of my mouth. And I, I don't either, but it was damn good. Well, I thought when I said it that it was a pretty good thing that people could relate to, you know. And uh, and that's a big deal. What And I think and ponder about this so much, and it's so important that these newer people that are coming, and, man, I know this is hard to understand. You sit down, and you've never been exposed to this, and you listen to something about an hour of me on here, and you walk away thinking you've taken a drink of water out of a fire hydrant. Okay? Either that or you're crazy. 
Well, I've been, you know, we've had both reactions, all right? So, uh, but I promise, I promise the newer folks out there, even though you might not believe this works, and and you've got this great illusion of these, of the great and powerful Oz, just like Alice and the bunch there, you know, the, the, the Tin Man and the Scarecrow and all the others, they were all right there cowering before the great Oz, and some little car terrier dog named Toto trots up there and grabs the curtain and pulls it back. And, you know, who's sitting back there but an old wrinkled up damn Jew pushing the buttons and pulling the levers. Okay. I see, Roger, there you go again. There's another great metaphor with Devos. Look at you. That's two metaphors in two days. Well, damn. You can call me Mr. Metaphor. <laughs> Not inaccurately, some would observe. In fact, uh, let me leave you with one thing, and I'm glad to have Robert back on board because he can carry the water for me while I take a shower this morning, uh, finally recovering with some uh, much-needed sleep from my self-abuse from external circumstances being polyfurcated or death by a thousand cuts, as some just re recently stated on another show. But... Um, I was looking this morning about 12 to 1.30 when I woke up for a brief period from 7.30 p.m. to uh, 5.30 a.m. And I found the Department of Justice is talking about uh, Struck and Page and some of them uh, leaking classified information in violation of 18 U.S.C. 401, which is federal corrupt uh, contempt of court. And um, there's a lot of kerfuffle from the mule liar and best ligation, that falsity of investigation. Well, that's my terms, but uh, I think it's more accurate than not. And I've used my color of law to uh, color him in a more accurate fashion from my view of things, and I think it's very accurate. He actually committed theft by deception from the American people, felony criminal conversion of our money to his uh, pocketbooks and his friends and cronies, under the guise of an investigation when there was no actual crime by the people he was investigating. It was his sycophants and um, oh, feeding gangsters of a Hillary, Hillary Clinton gang uh, who were actually involved with Brennan and, and uh, Clapper and others uh, in stealing vast amounts of American assets, converting it to their own interest and selling it to the Russians, uh, being seditious traitors to America, and I think that's high crimes and misdemeanors that constitutes the highest form of punishment dictated in the Constitution. And with that, I'm going to the shower. Well, I can tell you one thing, I don't Chris. Think it's a we, can, we can marginalize those folks when we're talking about Russia. But if you wanted to bring in and change the country to Israel, everybody's guilty. Yeah, that's probably true. And we don't hear anything about Israel messing in elections. We don't hear anything about the U.S. going around the world and screwing everybody's elections up. We don't hear about any of that. We don't hear about them going in and yeah. murdering 100,000 100, or more people so we can do a quote-unquote regime change so that little Israel over there can be safe from all their heinous damn actions over 100 years that have made all these people People hate them and want to kill them and wipe them off the face of the earth. We don't hear any about that. Chris must have taken Good off point. and gone to his shower, man. Um, I, I think he did. Well, <laughs> or as Paul would say, a water closet. Well, you know, as I heard someone say, uh, you know, you smell tired. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> another another warm day and you'll spoil. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Mixing of metaphors. <laughs> All right, I've got to respond on that one. Oh, no, you're uh, supposed to you're be in the shower. You weren't listening. <laughs> well, I was getting there, but uh, I'm going to go back to your quotes to Alice in Wonderland. I'm late. I'm late for a very, very important, important date. date. No, time to, no time to waste. I'm late. I'm late. I'm late. <laughs> Well, go ahead, Rabbit. Jump in the shower, all right? We'll see you when you get out and get dry. Um, Robert, what's, we hadn't heard from you in a while. How you been doing, man? I'm doing. I'm uh, up here at the uh, Reno Sparks area, uh, still working at the Giga Factory, and uh, I'm doing. Like I said, I hope to return to later on this year. So, But uh, things looking good. I got my positions in uh, Big Club. I'm quite good. happy about that. And good. Hopefully next week I should be getting my daily nut also known as the uh, Daily Bonus Cycle. And uh, with that, I could begin to build a new leg and just keep building. So um, that's, that's the immediate game plan and really for the foreseeable future. Well, I think there's going to be a whole lot of people a lot more interested in Bitcoin, say, 8, 9, 10, 12 months from now. Uh, there's people, I think it should the, <laughs> the price rise is the price that's risen lately has certainly got a few people's attention. And uh, got mine. Well, and I think some others I know because I've been contacted. You know, people been on the fence. You hadn't heard from them in over a year. All of a sudden, they're coming back around. You know that kind of thing. So that's another thing that tells me that we're real close. And Bit Club Network mm-hmm. and Carrot Bars. So let's let's throw both of them in there because they're both really solid programs. Okay, mm-hmm. uh, both of mm-hmm. those are going to serve us very well in the future, I believe. Okay. Um, I think they will. I carrot they bars, will. Uh, the carrot bars coin, is uh, been fluctuating between six and seven. It dipped right under six cents yesterday. For those of us who participated in that from the get-go, a little over a year ago, uh, we purchased that coin at seven tenths of a cent, basically. And uh, mm. so now you've already got a five, six hundred percent rise. Okay. And believe me, yeah. uh, Harold Seitz came out a couple of months ago and he made the, the July 4th freedom deal. Now you've mm-hmm. heard, you've heard about that. I'm sure Robert, uh, but for the audience that hasn't Harold Seitz, president of carrot bars, I've met him personally, spent time with him and a uh, good guy. And he made the global announcement that if you bought some of these coins at at the, well, I guess, I don't know if it's just uh, restricted to company purchases or people that even bought it off the website, but he made a blanket. Since there was no differentiation in his statement, I'm going to have to assume it applies to everybody. Okay. And Harold Seitz made the statement that if on July the 4th, which is a little over a month away, if you choose, you can trade in a hundred of those coins for a gram of twenty-four karat pure gold. That's a pretty mm. ball. That's a pretty ballsy offer. Okay, so let's see. All right, now let's do a little math. At seven tenths of a cent, or even a penny. I think the people that bought it off the website bought it initially for a penny. Okay, so a uh, hundred of of seven cents is how much? A hundred of seven cents? Yeah, a hundred times seven cents is seven dollars. Oh, 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 yeah, I got you. Okay. Yeah. Now, Harold Seitz knows very well 
how much a gram of gold costs him and is worth. They sell it for about $75. There, I'm just, I haven't checked the prices lately. They fluctuate a bit uh, because of exchange rates and the price of gold. But let's just say $75, all right? Now, that's considerably more than a, a gram of gold if you took it and did the division of, say, a coin, if you went out and bought a gold coin. But there's a lot of things in that market that people don't know. Do you know what the highest gold content of any sovereign coin is, Robert? Mm-mm. No, 90, you got me there. 93% gold. Wow. So there's 7% alloys even in the highest quality of gold coin out there. Well, this is 24 karat gold. And it's not a coin mm-hmm. that even the smallest you can get is about a tenth of an ounce. This is less than that. It's a gram. And every time that you're playing with something, especially in this metal, and you make it a higher quality, which means that it needs more refinement, and that's labor and effort, and then the small size, every time you make the quality higher and the size smaller, there's labor involved, and that just equates to a higher price. Okay, so the gold that you get from carrot bars is the highest quality gold in the world. It's four nines, nine 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 point nine. Okay, and it's considered to be currency grade gold, and that means that that's the quality of gold that countries use to exchange to each other in their balance of trade stuff. That's what they demand. Okay, and it's the new standard. China's really setting the future world standard of nine four nines and kilo bars instead of the old bigger bars all right so let's take all that so if you uh came back down and said well what's a hundred times seven dollars seven hundred yeah well what's 10 times this is 70 bucks okay so my point here mm-hmm. is that harold sites is no dummy he has not built no. what they've built over almost going on 10 years now by being a dummy, by being a chicken, by being somebody that isn't willing to go out there and fight for what he's doing. Okay, And uh, for him to make that offer that you could take 100 coins here in another month or so and trade them for a $75 retail gram of gold, for $7 for $75, would you do that every day all day long? Absolutely. Okay. Well, he knows something. Yes, sir. He didn't make that offer to have a whole bunch of people come in and clean him out of gold. No. Okay. So I think you'll see between now and the July the 4th Gold Freedom Day, I think you're going to see a substantial rise in carrot bar coin, and I think you're going to see it post that. We read the other day, Robert, I don't know if you were listening, uh, we got John McAfee's endorsement the other day. I did see that, yeah. Okay, I mean, that's pretty, uh, That you know, that says something, all right? Uh, yeah. Especially <laughs> McAfee, who knows this this space and has been a Bitcoin advocate since it, it originally came out. Uh, so yeah, I think yeah. we're, we're sitting real pretty there. Um, it, I would say if anybody even wanted to go out and purchase some of those coins at the market rate today, that the chances are extremely good that you're going to get a real nice return on that. Okay, So those of us who participated, a couple of us 
bellied up to the bar pretty good on this. Uh, I went out and mm -hmm. scraped up everything I could scrape up to throw at it and has been part of my mm -hmm. problem ever since, actually, uh, financially speaking, cash flow speaking. Um, but I, there's some other of our listeners that uh, pretty, put a pretty big wager in there in the middle of that pool. And uh, I think we're all going to be uh, uh, very glad we did. You've got a little smidgen in there, Robert, because I did it for you and I'm holding it for you. So uh, in essence, your little uh, your little investment that you could afford at the time is worth six times what it you put in. That's pretty good for a year, a little over. Yeah, beat the street. <laughs> Beats the street. So that carrot bars is is uh, uh, carrot bars is solid and has a very bright future. Uh, and there's a lot going on over there right now. I'm kind of guilty, and I would. Uh, take full responsibility for not sitting in on some of these calls and uh, being able to stay on top of what's going on so I can inform the audience because there's some people that aren't involved in this that may want to be and I'll try and do a little better on that but Carrot Bars has got their phone out now uh, if it's not out now it's about to be out and uh, they've got the world's only dual blockchain they don't have just a blockchain. They got a dual blockchain, and it's embedded in that oh, wow. phone, and uh, it gives you all kinds of privacy. Everybody's worried about privacy and stuff these days, or some people are. And um, we should be. Well, yeah, you should be really, but uh, this takes total care of that. Okay, uh, evidently from what mm -hmm. I've heard at this point, um, and I'll try and get a little more plugged in as we go forward. Uh, with that because I think it's I know it's a solid company there's no question about that and I know they're good people I've, I've met them personally and hung around with them and I've been working with them for I guess I got involved in in 13 2013 so uh what's that about six years okay just about this time of year actually um great company okay carrot uh, bit club network same thing been around over five years, solid as the rock of Gibraltar, mm -hmm. uh, and uh, with a medium, uh, Bitcoin and some of the altcoins that are going to become very important as we go forward. Yes, yes. And, and uh, I've won, and I'm in, involved in, in, in Big Club Network. I think it's incredible, and, and uh it is definitely doable for just about anybody. You just got to work, work hard. Got to bust well, your ass. It takes a little bit. It, it, it's not a, it's not a slick, flashy program. It's a, it's a, it's a pretty, it's a complex in many respects, uh, unsexy mm -hmm. program. Okay, and mm -hmm. and it's, it takes work. And Robert's exactly right. It, does it takes that. a little patience, you know. <laughs> and uh, yeah. but it, the future is going to be a big payoff for that. I don't know of anywhere else. I signed up somebody yesterday. Okay, one of our listeners. Oh, cool. And uh, cool. Uh, he's got grandchildren. And I said, you know, there's. I don't mm -hmm. know of any other vehicle where you could put for one of your grandchildren. You could go ahead and put six hundred dollars in. $100 membership and buy them a $500 mining pool and go in and set that baby on 100% repurchase in the back office mm -hmm. and possibly mm -hmm. take care of them financially, maybe partially or wholly the rest of their lives. I don't know of anywhere else you can do that. That'd be a good uh, buy-in. Good way to spend $500, absolutely. 
Uh, I mean, yeah, the little bit that's mined on a daily basis at this point, you know, like John says, they work on seven decimal points because you can break a Bitcoin down to mm -hmm. a millionth. You can only break a dollar down to a hundredth. Okay. And mm -hmm. so the little bit that you see coming back on a daily basis in your mining activity, when Bitcoin's, especially when Bitcoin's $3,000 a day, that ain't very much. But when Bitcoin gets up to be a hundred thousand, two hundred and fifty thousand, a half a million dollars a day, you'll probably be able to easily live on that. I could. <laughs> okay, and maybe even better yet, you might could even live a, 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 or at least supplant what you've already got going for you financially, on maybe even half or uh, thirty percent of that, which means the other part Easily. goes back into repurchase, and all that does is mm -hmm. down the line you're still going to be mining Bitcoin every day off that original five hundred dollars. I mean that's an incredible situation, man. Really. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It is. It is. Um, now uh, let's it's go over. Work and sacrifice, but it, it's worth it. It, it it's is. A, you know, it, you, you, in this life, you you make the best decisions you can for down the road. Okay. Um, mm -hmm. And as as Doctor Schlesinger said so many years ago, that stuck with me. We're all where we are because of choices we've made. Agreed. Laura Schlesinger? Laura Schlesinger, Dr. Schlesinger. Gotcha. Did you ever listen gotcha. to her? She had a pretty good show. Even though she married a Jew, she's got a pretty good head on her shoulders. <laughs> Otherwise, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I did once in a while. Wasn't, wasn't a big fan. Didn't really follow that much, but I, I definitely listened to her shows here and there. Well, when she was real popular there at first, and they had her on in the daytime, yeah. and then she started making so yeah. much sense, they stuck her on in the middle of the night. <laughs> <laughs> we love you, but we just that don't want anybody. To, we don't want anybody to hear yeah. what you got to say. Yeah, that's one way to do it. Put you in a weird time slot. We still honor our contract. We're just going to screw you to the wall. Uh, now, what I think is going to go on in the gold market? We talked about it here recently. Is Basil, Basil three, and. I understand a lot of this financial stuff is confusing. People don't go in. I've tried to study it for many years because what I realized early on, Robert, you being out there in Nevada, this is maybe an appropriate metaphor, is that the financial horse, Old Paint, mm -hmm. that was the horse these guys rode into town on. Mm -hmm. And I guarantee you it's the horse they plan on riding out of town on. <laughs> okay old paint yeah. old paint the gold horse okay and so basil three let's just give some background for the people that may not know this it's very instructive if you read my book you saw some quotes in there from congressman lewis t mcfadden on the bankruptcy mm -hmm. of the united mm -hmm. states and stuff he was a great statesman Probably one of the mm -hmm. better that our country's ever produced, especially in times of crisis. Yes. Okay. And yeah. um, in that book that those excerpts were pulled from is a, 
one of the most valuable books. I've still got it with me. I've taken it all over the world, okay? And it's uh, a white cover book, and it's called The Collective Speeches of William T. Congressman Lewis T. McFadden. And there's 31 speeches in there from 1931 to 1933 and from the floor of the house back in those days they didn't do special orders where you see your congressman sitting there talking to you and there's nobody behind him those are called special mm -hmm. orders and they can go in there and do that for their constituents now well they didn't have that back in the 30s and when he got up and talked mm -hmm. he was talking to the entire house of representatives because you can see in the speeches that they've got excerpted that there's applause and stuff you know they note it all right. And uh, McFadden was a banker before he got into politics. He'd worked his way up from emptying paper cans to the president of the bank and spent his whole career uh, in banking there in Pennsylvania with the district he was from. And then he got elected to Congress. So therefore, he was put almost as soon as he was elected and got to, to Congress, he was put in the head as the head of a committee they used to have, the House Banking Committee. They don't have it anymore. And he was the head of that from about 1919, thereabouts. Uh, Robert must have got knocked off and he's calling us back. There, about 1919, thereabouts, up until the fourth attempt to kill him, which succeeded. Okay? Uh, and in that book of those 31 speeches, he goes over so so much in-depth stuff from a banker professional's point of view and then a politician knowing how the political system worked. And it's a great read if you can get through it. First of all, if you can find it. And secondly, if you can get through it because a lot of it's very complex. Now, I read it when I first got into this 27, 28 years ago. All right, and I haven't read it since. I probably should. But part of the one of the speeches in there talks about when they were setting up the entire Bank of International Settlements and what they planned to do with it, okay? So they were doing that back when he was involved in this in the early 30s, all right? And so the Bank of International Settlements, it's called the BIS. You hear some people refer to it as the BIS, which I think is quite unfair to listeners, Okay, the Bank of International Settlements is the central banker's bank. It's in Basel, Switzerland. It is on a piece of ground that is comparable to the Vatican, to the city of London, and to Washington, D.C. The Swiss government has no jurisdiction on the land or the building or the contents or the people that work at the BIS. Did you know that, Robert? I had no idea. That's the, interesting, though. The Swiss government cannot May go I in. No, you're in the shower. <laughs> well, I'm dying. <laughs> Being the wordologist that I have morphed into, along with Mr. Yeah, but Brown, are you clean? Are you, are you squeaky yeah. clean before you tell us this? Well, I'm pretty squeaky clean, and my garments are fairly clean this morning, so I can speak with a certain amount of, let's call it credulity. Uh, my contention is that the word term Switzerland is a misnomer. It's actually Sveitzerland, S-V-I, with the six-point star bar chamber of Staten, who set up that group, and that we've been all been deceived to believe it's Switzerland because there is no W in the Germanic 
or tones, if you will, language, the rage of the tongue. And so when we understand these global Corban kings, kings of Corban, bank kings, have set this whole scheme up. In fact, the BIS, the buy of ISIS, uh, two faces of ISIS, the Janus, if you will, is where they double bank. And of course, we know these people are prestidigitators, magically manipulators of the miracle of banking, a mortgage death pledge. And so it's a really convoluted situation they put up to deceive the world, and they've done a pretty fine job of it. They have. You know what makes Switzerland so different from virtually every other country in the world? They rarely fight wars. They do that. They rarely fight wars because very few people want to fight them because they got the high ground and they're armed to the teeth and everybody under 40 has to have a gun, an automatic rifle, and be trained in it. Do you know that Switzerland gives their citizens, it's either subsidized or free ammunition. Did you know that? In fact, they're at the UN this week trying to figure, or wherever their combat is, trying to figure out how to get them to voluntarily give up their guns so they can be taken over by the globalists too. Well, I guarantee you that ain't going to happen. And I'm going to tell you why in a no, second. It, but they give them free ammunition or subsidized ammunition. You know why, Robert and Chris? You know why? Tell us. So they'll go out and practice and be proficient. Mm, mm. That's good thinking. Okay. That's forward thinking. What makes Switzerland <laughs> different from virtually every other country on the globe? There may be a couple others. I don't think any of them have this. I heard of watching a video on it the other day, actually. It's the reason I'm up on it a bit. Uh, they've got the referendum system in Switzerland. And you may not know what that means, but that means that, and they've got it, the, the ceiling very low. If they, pa- if they switch, pass a referendum around the country and 100,000 people but, uh, sign it, it's got to be in the next election. So if they want sort to like pass a, um a mandate, a mandate from the people that yeah. we don't have to yeah. do it, but it's at least got to be considered and put up for a vote. Okay, that's pretty important. Yeah. How do you what would, what kind of changes would we have seen in our country if we'd have a vehicle like that? Uh, several. <laughs> okay. So that's one of the unique things about Switzerland. Why they're probably going to stay free? They could probably pass a referendum to kick the BIS out of the country. And they might get 100,000 people to sign it, and they put it on the next election ballot, and they may not get the amount of vote to kick them out, but they've got the question voted on it. Okay? So that's really mm-hmm. important. But let's go back to the BIS here, because this is, uh, I think this is, for many years of study and knowing your enemy and knowing the subject matter, you can kind of extrapolate answers. Okay, and I think that this is a big answer here. Um, the the BIS, the Bank of International Settlements, there, they not only control all the central banks in the world. That's including Russia and China and everybody else. Okay, do you know what else they control, Robert? Mm, you got me there. All of the markets in the world, stock markets, futures markets all those markets like the new york stock exchange yeah kind of like that they set the rules for the markets all over the world 
It all comes out of this oh, wow. one round building over there in Basel, Switzerland, called the Bank of International Settlements. Okay. Uh-huh. Now, here a couple of months ago, it was a while back actually, they passed what's called the Basel Three Accords. Uh-huh. Basel Three, Basel like the town they're in. And one of the things that the Basel Three Accords did, and this is passed out to central banks and banks, is uh, the banks evidently are structured in a three-tier asset system. Okay, First tier, second tier, third tier. So if they go out and buy assets in the first tier, uh, which would be cash, uh, bonds, stocks, paper, stuff like that, they could say they go out and buy $10 million worth of it, and they got it there in their Tier 1 asset category. That means they can take $10 million worth of value and transfer it to their balance sheet. We've got $10,000 worth of value here. Now, they go down to a Tier 2 asset, and they buy $10 million worth of another asset, but now they only get to carry 75% of the value. So if they bought $10 million of Tier 2 assets, whatever those may be, they could only carry $7 million, $7.5 million over and put it on their balance sheet as value. Even though they paid $10 million for it, it only got credited as three-quarters of the value on the balance sheet. Wow. And if you went down to Tier 3, you could go buy $10 million worth of assets. And let's just say they went out and bought $10 million worth of gold. And before the Basel III Accords took, took effect, that was only counted as half a million dollars of value on their balance sheet even though it was gold, okay? So what banker is going to go out and buy gold when it's a Tier 3 asset and hold it at the bank in the asset pool? Because they can only, they're worried about their stock price and all this other stuff. They're not worried about the internal stuff right now. They're worried about the external stuff, okay? Mm-hmm. And so that was a discouragement for for bankers to store, own, buy gold. That's all it was. Mm. I mean, when you look at it and understand it, that's all it was, is this gold suppression thing. Well, when the Basel Three Accords came along and got implemented, I believe, on March 29th, just here a couple of months ago, now gold is a Tier 1 asset. Mm. There you when go. They go buy a ten a ten million dollars worth, and they get to count ten million dollars worth on their balance on their balance sheet. So, do you think that was a nice motivating factor for bankers to own gold? Uh, yeah, it might have been. <laughs> bankers kind of do you? Would you? Let's see if you agree with this statement. Bankers pretty well understand the paper money scheme. Oh yeah. They should. They're right in the middle of it. They're the progenitors of it. Okay. Uh-huh. All right. So now they see all this trouble on the horizon. They do read the financial pages. They deal with this stuff on a day-to-day basis. They do have an understanding of money on both sides. And after uh-huh. after that, and and I can tell you personally, and this was... This was several years ago because I was still back at the micro effect back then, ex-wife number two. And remember this guy, V, the gorilla economist that was so hot for a while? What's the name? 
V, as in V, as in Victor, the gorilla economist? No. Well, he, was, he, he came on the scene and got a lot of attention. He was supposedly a big stockbroker and all did international stuff. And there's a lot of question mm-hmm. as to whether that was true. It seems like it was somebody that he knew that he kind of stole mm-hmm. their identity and stuck it out on the radio and stuff. Anyway, I had mm-hmm. him on because he joined our Carabar group. And uh, one of the guys Ooh. got to him, and, and he got in my care bar group. And so we had a little bit Ooh. of a business relationship there, and because of his notoriety at the time, I got him on the radio show. And now, you know, one of my old friends that I've known for almost 30 years, Robert, is one of the top 20 Ooh. coin dealers in the world. He was there in Atlanta. Oh, the guy in Georgia? Yes, yeah. and my, my dear deceased friend, David Strait, who had a lot of money to uh-huh. do things like this, had a good relationship with him, and that's kind of how I met yeah. and got to know him. And, and uh, his name's Tom Cloud. All right, I'll give you his name. Ooh. He's still around today. Ooh. And uh, I had been talking to Tom about something on the phone and I called him I said well well, what are you doing he said Roger I'm just busy as just you know a a dog with two peckers okay and he said I I, I, I said what 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 are you so busy about you know and because the price is down and he goes well I'm busy with banks because they're buying gold and they're having trouble sourcing it. So this was a couple of years ago, see? They saw that coming a long time ago. And so here it is, straight from a major gold dealer whose best friend was the president of the World Gold Council, all right? So pretty plugged in, okay? And so Tom is going, well, I'm just, he says, Roger, I'm buried with banks. Well, I get on, I got V on the show, and he comes on, he said, no, Mm -hmm. banks aren't buying central gold. But central banks aren't banks aren't buying gold, and I just talked to the gold dealer who tells me he's covered up, and I wasn't going to have an argument on the air with him at that point. But I just kind of sat back and I said, "This guy isn't quite what he says he is, or else he'd have a better handle yeah. on this." Okay, um, exactly. So they've been buying it for a while, knowing what's coming. But this Basel Three Accord mm-hmm. change at the fir- a couple of months ago in this year really gave them the green flag. You know, like we just had Indy. Last week, so last weekend, so uh, they got the green flag Controlled to go out there. Opposition. Pardon me, Chris. Controlled opposition. Yeah, man. So they're out there buying. Well, yeah. you want to know partially why the price of gold is kept so low? Suppression, oppression. So first of all, so we don't see the relationship to the paper money scheme because gold's the canary in the coal mine. And they don't want it rising in price because then everybody sells paper and goes and buys it and speculates on it, okay? And uh, uh, so they keep the price down to keep that effect out of the picture, and they suppress the price so they can buy up what remains out there at lower prices. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now I'm going to tell Two you quick things, Roger. the people. Okay, okay let, let me just finish and hold your thoughts for a second. Okay. Go ahead. What I believe that yeah. they're doing consciously, and if you understand this market and these people and these things, you can pretty well read the marijuana leaves here. All right. And that is that they're <laughs> they're they're buying they're they're buying gold hand over fist because it's going to be revalued overnight in this reset thing coming, and that. Attribution in price on the gold side they're buying is going to offset the paper losses that they've been suffering so long. And it's one of the only ways the banks can come out of this solvent. 
okay? And so I see, and I think all the talk about a reset and all that is totally correct. And the fact that one day, don't know when, someday here in the future, we're going to go through one of these long three-day weekends. And when the banks open back up, uh, we're going to see gold probably at somewhere, at least I would think 10 times higher than it is now. There's no other reason that the Bank of International Settlements would have run in the Basel III Accord and told bankers that gold's now a Tier 1 asset. What other purpose could they have possibly served by doing that except to set the banks up for this reset where they can take the profits in the gold that they allow it finally to find a, a free market value to offset the losses in the paper? And that's what I think's coming, and that's why carrot bars is such a good play. Um, Robert, you well, you had two things you wanted to say a second ago. I hope you still remember. Yeah, two quick things. While you were talking, uh, number one, I I went on Amazon and found that book by McFadden. It's one hundred eighty-five dollars. A paltry little. Holy stuff. smokes! That's you're crazy. kidding me. No, the other thing is, I got a text message from my buddy that says Stuart Varney on Fox Business is having a Bitcoin spokesman on. At eighty-seven hundred dollars and going to ten thousand plus soon. Agreed. Yeah, that's what I told him. I said I think I agree. <laughs> I, I'll be shocked. I mean, you know, sitting here at the end of May, I'll be shocked if Bitcoin in at least twenty thousand dollars a coin by the end of this year, and it may be higher yeah. than that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think I'm right there with you. Uh, this is coming. And actually, still having next year. Oh, yeah, man. And as you get into next year and next spring, uh, as we approach the halving, and maybe I should go back and tell everybody in the audience what that is because some of these people don't understand this stuff, okay? The new, the new, uh, the new head article on Zero Hedge, here's Daryl. Let me bring him in. i got to do two or three things at one time. I, I feel like an aviator. Uh, the new uh, head, head story that just popped up on Zero Hedge, a critical turning point, Fibonacci symmetry in the stock market. So uh, now Daryl's also joined us, but Robert was in the middle of his two questions here. Um, and, and I think $185 for that. I used, I got that book out of a Omni Christian bookstore. I believe they're, they're still around, Omni Christian Bookstore, and it had been out of print for a while, and a few years back they'd put it in print because a listener wrote me and told me they'd purchased it. Uh, that is an excellent book, and I don't know where you can get any kind of background, actual events at the time from somebody with that much knowledge, understanding uh, uh, that he imputed in there and find out exactly what happened in those times as, as the source Lewis T. McFadden, in all honesty. Okay. Uh, so you, your other question, then I'm going to see what Daryl's got to input here. Did you, you got another point, Robert? Or did you forget it? Are we still talking? Is Robert still with us? Hell, I keep asking all these questions. Daryl, are you with us? Yeah, I hear you. Okay, five fantastic. Five. Good. At least I get some response. <laughs> Man, I never know with all this stuff, you know. Let's see. It must have dropped Robert, and he's calling back in there. That's why he didn't answer. Robert, did you have a second part of your question that you can remember? 
Sorry about that, Roger. My uh, Skype connection went down. Uh, yeah. Just the two points uh, of the McFadden book and then the uh, Bitcoin guy on uh, oh, okay. Fox Business. That was okay. All. Well, those are good, both valid points. 185 bucks, huh? Yikes. Yeah. You better hang on to your book. Oh, and man, I, w- I, don't, I would never let that book get too far out of my possession, in all honesty. It's one of those things I carry with me. That's how valuable I consider that information. Don't re- don't go back and touch it too much, but it, it is a valuable resource if you can get your hands on one. Hey, Daryl. Yeah, good morning, everybody. Uh, morning. You're, uh, you're con- Robert, nice to hear you. Uh, your, your conversation about gold is, uh, is interesting. Uh, I finished, uh, Alexander Delmar's book, um, uh, here a couple days ago, uh, his book on monetary crimes written in 1898. And, uh, it's really interesting because he was a economic badass of his time. And, uh, many of his lessons are still valuable now. Uh, and, uh, some people don't know the lessons that he learned or taught <clears throat> anyway. Um, after reading, after reading his information, uh, and I'm listening to your conversation and he was talking, uh, about the price of gold and silver in the uh, late 1800s. This is during the time of the decline of the British Empire and the ratio of coins and uh, to silver to gold. Okay, so that was that was a much talked about, closely watched uh, aspect of the value of hard money was that ratio of silver to gold, and um, so. He makes the point in an academic setting that, uh, and he was he was countering or debating with a uh, a British London, London city of London um, economist uh, and rebutting this economist when this economist said that uh, uh, how the price of gold was determined and valued. And Alexander Delmar basically gets up, I'll give you the short version, and says, you have absolutely no idea what the value of gold, or for that matter, silver is. And, and uh, well, he says, well, we can determine that by the, by the price of how was the cost of mining and how it comes out of the ground. And Alexander laughed at him and, and uh, said, well, how do you how do you value the price of gold that the uh, the English uh, stole from Spain, who stole it from the Indians? I said, what was the price of what was the he says to him he goes what was the price of extracting that out of the ground? And uh, so there was a lot of laughter in the room at that point because uh, actually the majority the majority of the gold. And uh, I don't know what the what the percentages would be now at this you know 100 years over 100 years later, but at that time the majority of the gold that was out of the ground and was in the possession of uh, the Bank of England or or whoever had it was mostly stolen. <laughs> it was, and and, and a it whole was 
stolen. And a whole bunch of that necessarily did not end up in their vaults because a lot of that is archaeological stuff and historical treasures and is sitting in museums all over the world in private collections. And it's never, ever going to be melted down. Well, I mean, I'm sure there is a, uh, a definite percentage of that. Uh, they say, that's, Darryl, that's a definite they, aspect they of that. say as much yeah. as, I've, I've seen figures as much as 50%. Ooh, yeah. Well, I mean, people, people at this day and age don't really realize, uh, have an appreciation for the historical aspect that the, the pirates were uh, mostly uh, uh, from a, uh, a, a British uh, letters of mark. <laughs> yeah. And so there was, there was any number of different pirates. You had, uh, you had the, uh, like they had the Somali pirates. Now you had African pirates and Islamic pirates. But the, uh, the real operators were the British and uh, giving out letters of mark. And uh, raiding the Spanish uh, galleons. Uh, this is one of the fundamental acts that brought Spain to its knees, other than the fact they were poorly managed. But uh, this is what uh, drove them down. Do you know, and, Darryl, when they started bringing back those ships from this continent that I live in, uh, that there was so much gold in Spain and so much continuing to come from the new ships that came home that it literally caused a gold depression? Yeah, I, I, I could see that. So uh, the, the interesting thing about the price of gold and silver and its ratio, which was running at the mints at that time between 13 and a half to 1, and uh, at the very highest, and Spain was paying the highest uh, ratio of uh, 16 to 1 uh, as, as far as the gold-silver ratio. And um, they, the argument at the time was, well, how do you value it? Okay. And, and so the argument was between, well, we don't really know what the price is to it's the cost of what brings it out of the ground and the work. Okay. You hear this argument even to this day. <clears throat> okay. So that's, that's all very interesting history and I'm listening to you talk. And so what is the price of gold and silver now? What are, what do we hear a lot of people talking about now the talking whoever they are, about the depressed prices of gold and silver, and these prices are about at what it comes out of the cost to bring it out of the ground. Do, don't we hear that a lot? Yeah, you got a bunch of pretty big mining outfits yeah. that, are, that are suspending operations because it costs more to get it out of the ground and refine it than, than they can sell it for. Big problem right now. Yeah. So, so anyway... Then, then with that in mind, if, if we were to take that as a baseline and say, well, okay, uh, basically the prices have been stagnated at the price, at the cost of production, right. then what are they, uh, what value are they? They're just, they're just, uh, 
uh, a commodity like any other like any other metal. All right. So at that point, now with what you're talking about, which I I agree with, when they buy it at this price, and then when you call it the reset, they're recollateralizing it to cover all the debt money. That's exactly what they're going to do. It's their only way out. And but here's the interesting thing. Here's the interesting thing. There's there's and then it goes to the next. Then you shift into the next gear. Okay. Okay. So let's say that, and I agree. There's this. We'll call it the reset. The reset comes along. They recollateralize gold to cover the outstanding debts with all everything that you just said. But what happens to your relationship to that that hard money now? Okay, you're still going to be operating under usury, and the people of the people of the the time, you know, you're you're still going to they're still going to keep their collateralized debt asset, which is you, and they're going to have the gold. Um, right? you know the so, Williams yeah. Jennings Bryant famous speech you will not crucify us on this cross of gold that almost got him propelled into the presidency why well, that was because they'd taken was, away yeah. silver and if you've just got one of the standards it can be manipulated the silver was the poor man's gold because poor man couldn't afford gold at very at any significance at that time, but they could afford silver. And Robert, there mm-hmm. was a mine right out there where you live called the Comstock Lode, that is the single yeah. largest reservoir of silver I believe ever found in history, and that's what mm. was fueling yeah. that silver that could be make us a bimetallic standard. And uh, Daryl mentioned it the other day. In your readings, does does your guy there refer to the crime of 73? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And and he refers to, he refers to the Comstock as, as being the single largest. Well, it actually depreciated the, the values uh, uh, worldwide because it was such a large deposit. And... Uh, so, the uh, the the reason the reason that Williams Jenner Bryant made that speech because prior to him making that speech in the decades before that, silver having been plentiful, there was there was money to pay. Yes. Okay, and people could do business and commerce. They had a they had an expanded money supply. That's what the Comstock did too. Is it expanded the money supply? Correct. And and uh, could have very probably caused inflation. Now the the U.S. Treasury's MIP policy during that period of time was such that um, after the, after the election of 1868, by the way, with Grant coming in. Uh, the uh, Ulysses, I'm a I'm a drunk Grant came in, and the the uh, and a war criminal throw in the top of it. Uh, uh, 
they, I don't know if they had pornography then or not. Maybe they did. Oh, they but, did. But anyway, okay. So uh, the the policy of U.S. grants, Treasury, and the Mint right after the election was to adopt without congressional ratification England's silver mint policy, which was a crime in and of itself. And that's when they started, that's when they started cutting back on the production of silver in this country, because up to that point it had been plentiful. And this was an artificial crisis created by uh, London bankers. Or the Bank of England, who now had total, uh, who had, who had pretty good control in 1868. And and so, but what? Well, we'll get to that, Robert. We'll get to it because this all leads okay, up sorry. to it. Okay, go ahead, Daryl. So, uh, the uh, the point is. Uh, they they were manipulating they were manipulating the currency market in order to cause uh, what I've drawn from in, in my reading and uh, a lot of reading is to cause a financial uh, a financial collapse uh, or a stress a stress in the American market, which would then be a precursor to what they wanted to do with notes later and uh so i'll just kind of leave it well uh, let, leave let, it at that let for me the moment. Pick, uh, let me pick up a couple yeah. of points that i that came to me while you're talking for one thing the mint's policy back then robert if you'd gone out there between breaks at work and stumbled on a big gold nugget out there in the Reno, Nevada area. All you had to do was take it to the Mint in San Francisco, which was operating, I believe, at that time, and they would have taken your gold, refined it down, produced a couple of gold eagles for you, and handed them to you. Really? You could get the Mint to actually put into coinage your mining proceeds. Wow. Okay. So that's one thing that's kind of important that people usually don't know. The crime of 73, as I remember reading about it years ago, was when they demonetized silver on the sneak. They went in and got a piece of legislation passed in Congress. It got signed by the president. And before it got put into the law books, they went in and changed a word or two that totally changed the whole meaning of the legislation from what it was intended to do. And that got put into the law books, and all of a sudden, silver was demonetized. Now you you've just got... You? Yeah, it wasn't accepted for payment of debts, I guess. It wasn't legal tender, but they demonetized it. And so now gotcha. you've got just a single metallic standard, the gold standard. And just a couple of decades uh-huh. before, before I see if Robert, uh, if Daryl, this guy mentioned this in your book, 
uh, Jay Gould, a, a Jew named Jay Gould, had cornered literally <laughs> the gold market up there in New York and the gold exchange at that time. And that's what people were freaked out about because they took the silver out of the picture and now they can go in and totally manipulate the gold market again. So that's what the big freak out was. It's called the crime of 73. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Well, I, yeah. This, this. Go ahead. No, you go ahead. Nobody was talking. Okay. Well, All right. So, uh, this the demonetization of silver uh, in the legislation between 1868 and 18, uh, 1874 just didn't all happen just overnight. It there was a a series. I, I know you'll you'll find this amazing. We've never heard of this before, but they they did a series of steps <laughs> to to get to, to get all the balls lined up in the corner of pocket, so to speak. If you're a pool shooter, and and so. They, uh, the, uh, the, the demonetization of silver, coined and uncoined, was uh, completed in June of 1874, and they revised the statutes, and the silver coins of the United States shall be legal tender at their nominal value for, not any, for any amount not exceeding $5 in any one payment. So... Um, I don't know if they completely demonetized it, but they they made it pretty uh, pretty inefficient to uh, use any uh, make any large payments with it. Now, the the interesting thing was, which is associated with the crime of um, 1873, this currency and money manipulation is that it went back to the Civil War era 520 bonds. And the 520 bonds were what the uh, U.S. corporate, uh, the tyrant government at Lincoln floated in order to pay for the war. And they were to be paid back in greenbacks, more fiat money. And after Lincoln was assassinated and murdered, uh, is that redundant? And then um, <laughs> after, once again, Ulysses, I'm a drunk grants election, they passed legislation that they would be paid back, they would be paid back in hard money, silver and gold, which basically doubled the value of the bonds uh, the return on the investment of the of the uh, bonds to the investors was uh, basically came out to be double, and uh, because all that uh, and all that silver and gold left the uh, the most of it for the most part left uh, the United States because the investors in that I know you'll have a hard time believing this, but most of the investors that that invested in the Civil War, this is what this was: they were investing in the Civil War for the purpose of making money. And through uh, unscrupulous legislation, oh my, when does that ever happen? They were able to double their proceeds or double their profits on the repayment of the bonds in hard money. So um, this is, so what has this got to do with now? Well, I, I just 
I just wanted to kind of draw that out a little bit that you can buy you can buy silver and gold now at production prices, and when they recollateralize it to cover their fiat money, uh, you can you can ride that, or at least yeah. you know if you want to speculate, or you can retain your purchasing power in the future, and uh, yeah. that's I see this as is just uh, fire insurance, monetary fire insurance. So. That's what it is. I mean, I can tell yeah. you personally, back when I was in my big cash flow days and I had this knowledge and understanding and I had the uh, wherewithal at the time and the intelligence and the foresight to put almost all that I could, could take out of that cash flow uh, and stick it into gold. And so I bought m all of my gold, really, uh, for the most part, back before and around what they term Brown's Bottom. Now, I, I, I distinctly remember a few of those purchases, okay? And I can tell you the first slug of gold I bought was from the proceeds I had left that the IRS did not steal at my house closing. Okay, so I had a few thousand dollars hanging around, and I the day that I purchased gold with the uh, most of that money was the day that Bill Clinton was impeached in the House of Representatives, and I remember it distinctly because the the price of gold was at three hundred dollars on the nose. No wow. cents, no yeah. nothing, three hundred dollars. Okay, and I bought ten thousand dollars worth of it that day. All right, Damn. and and now today, yeah. uh, which I've still uh, been able to frugally sit on most of that all these years. Is why we can do this stuff we're doing, and I'm not charging you and begging you people for money, okay, all the time. Uh, and now that gold that was purchased at three hundred dollars is uh, I could check the chart, but it's right under thirteen hundred bucks in a suppression environment now. Okay, so you want to know how much paper they've put out since 2000, Robert? About 400. About 400 percent. Wow. That we Can know I of. A, that, that we, we know, know of. of. Yeah, that we know of. Okay. Can I add a little color to this conversation? Sure, Chris, come on. Well, speaking of Brown's bottom, metaphorically, uh, that was the auction to his Middle Eastern or European banking buddies, uh, those bond kings, if you will, of the gold they had stole from America under FDR's Emergency Banking Act of 1933. A lot of that. And what was significant, what was significant about that was that he sold it at a low-bid auction. Now, I can tell you that is not a normal or usual, but in fact a very special and curious well, form it, of auction because well, that, most auctions go ahead chris i'm sorry to I did. Go ahead. well you got and the only other you're cutting out a little bit is the reason and, and of course we can't duplex and i want to give you your 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 say here so go ahead i'm sorry for interrupting well not a problem at all this is this is important so i'm going to put on my headset and try to ameliorate that situation quickly as i possibly can and i'm Fast and furiously moving that okay. direction, well, and now move. I think I have it. Okay, good. Now enlighten us here. Okay. In Brown's Bottom, low-bid auction, not the usual high-bid auction to the highest bidder, sold American, as they say, they sold that gold 
to their Mine King buddies. And the only other low bid auction that I know of, and I don't think any other noted in the history, was the auction of WAMU's assets to the only pre-qualified, selectively special pick bidder, J.P. Morgan, for WAMU's assets by Tim TurboTax the Snake Geithner, Obama's international globalist school buddy, who pirated WAMU's assets. Say again? Washington Mutual? That yeah, WAMU. Yeah, yes, yes WAMU. Yes, Washington oh, Mutual. I love and they they sold it for a low bid. And now this was a special sale with the FDIC acting as the fence. Uh, they called it a resolution trust uh, settler. And they supposedly settled, but they acted as representative for all sides of the equation being an unconscionable sale, a pirating actually, of large plunder and looting of WAMU's assets. And they sold... $27.5 billion supposed dollars worth of assets of WAMU to J.P. Morgan Chase Bank, not to mention WAMU's stakeholder investors, co-investors, for $1.88 billion. However, Mr. Geithner's treasury, on the backs of the cash-strapped American taxpayers, settled all those debts for 1.25% of the total face amount and then gave a special tax write-off in the future to WAM, to uh, J.P. Morgan Chase. Of course. For guess how much money? Ding, ding, ding! One point eight 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 billion dollars, effectually making the sale supposedly for a preposterously absurd amount of zero on face value. So they had zero coming on all those debts of others they purchased for debt collection under Title 15 U.S.C. 1692 at the Fair Debt Collection Practices Act, making them nothing but a dirty debt collector. Sounds and like there the, you have it. That's sound, Daryl. It sounds like the 502 bonds still live. <laughs> well, one other salient point about the 502 bonds is: remember, about a hundred years after they had done that gold fixing scam that you spoke about, uh, Nixon devalued this, took the silver out of the dollars. And somewhere after that, the Hunt brothers cornered the market just like they cornered the gold market. Yeah. And they devalued that and drove it up exponentially, stole the gold, looted it, and um, created the same thing, doing the same thing over and over because it works. Yes, they were trying to does. corner the silver market to evidently start a competing Federal Reserve type situation is what I've read. don't know how true that is. Um but yeah, it's just the same thing over and over again. And you know, I don't. If they say gold is so worthless, why the hell do they want all of it? Okay, that's the first question. That's the question. Um, let's see. Gary's going to call in here and join us. Um, Gary, glad to have you along, buddy. In one of your appearances, how you doing today? Oh, fine. Major metaphor. How are you doing? Good. Um, and. Uh, Greetings to uh, Daryl, Robert, and and uh, cleaned up Chris. Cleaned up Chris. Uh, howdy. <laughs> cleaned up Chris. His new his new uh, little handle there. But uh, the clean. There you go. Yeah, I, I appreciate the uh, the history there backing up and 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 Daryl's your piece going back to uh, 
you know, around the Civil War era, and I just find it interesting that that happened um, in demonetization back just after they pulled off the big doozy there, you know, the, the 14th Amendment, and shortly thereafter, you know, the unratified 14th Amendment. So um, how they worked into the monetary system after they set that up, and uh, just find that very timely. And um, They have pretty but, good uh, timing, have you noticed? Yeah, they do plan their steps, don't they? Many years in advance, they, they don't care about time too much. They're not in a panic, that's for sure. They may plan out decades ahead of time. But, uh, oh, by the way, Roger, thanks for the link on the Walter William uh, piece there. Really, really interesting. I put that and, in. Uh, I put that on the show description at the bottom there in Castbox yesterday. Gary couldn't find it. That was an article over on LouRockwell.com. L-E-W, not L-O-U. L-E-W Rockwell.com. An excellent website, by the way. And the uh, Rockwell is kind of the banner carrier for what we term Austrian economics. You know, Daryl, I was thinking right. about that last night watching that DiLorenzo talk. They've got a deal every yeah. summer in June where you can go down there for a week and go through that school at Auburn. It's not too far south of you down there. And that may be something if you could ever yeah. scoot the time away that you may want to participate in. Well, I'd, I'd be interested in the uh, Austrian School of Economics, but uh, they're, not as, they're, not as, they're not as squeaky clean uh, as uh, they like to play. Okay. Well, one of the things I was thinking is that somebody with our knowledge and voice and angle could get in there and show them some of the things that they don't understand. Because there's a bunch of the, the, those guys with all their scholarship and all their study and all of the stu sacrifices they've made, they don't understand what the 14th Amendment was about or why it was in there. And they're still arguing over the causes of the Civil War. Yeah, yeah. that's true. Well, yeah. Uh, well, that, that's a really good point, and it, uh, you know, I, uh, if I could go ahead and retire here full time, maybe I could uh, do something like that. I, I, I have well, a I feeling if I do retire full time, I'll be, I'll be uh, probably working with Michael Gaddy. You know? <laughs> but uh, uh, he, uh, I, uh, yeah, <laughs> but you know, it's that. Very, I can't, very I, few I can't, of us. I can't let go of the Civil War. Yeah, very few of us are ever going to retire and, sit, the only one. and sit on the front porch and rock, yeah. rock and watch cars go by and be yeah. porch monkeys. I don't see too many of us doing that. Well, well I was, yeah, was going to say, Roger. Yeah. I, I, I was going to, I was going to say, Roger, your investment. I was thinking about when you were talking about it that. Uh, your investment back in the mid '90s in, uh, in the $300 gold uh, gave you a much better return than a lot of the people I knew at the time that bought new cars and boats. Yeah. And what are those worth? Yeah. You know. Did, so. Did you happen to see? Uh, yeah. Did you happen to see the article? It was one of those little top articles on Zero Hedge. It was in the last couple of days. Uh, it was about a particular model of BMW. It was a 19. It was the first BMW kind of coupe that they put out in the 50s. It was real trendy with movie stars and everything that liked it. That the people that own those cars have have gotten a return 600 percent more than BMW stock. 
since the same oh, time. Right. Wow. Wow. <laughs> wow. Veteran figuring you should mention that, right? Yeah, I thought of you. I, Chris, I thought of you when I read the article, buddy. I'm telling you. Yeah, that D500. <laughs> it was probably around $6,000, 5000 in 1957, maybe even less. My dad went to Detroit to buy a brand new one uh, with the Hemi engine in it. And that one that I bought, uh, it had appreciated, oh, golly, uh, 4,000% <laughs> from the time I bought it to the time they stole have, it. Have you gotten that uh, back the, yet? Have you gotten that back no, yet? No, 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 no. I'm going to have to go to the Federal Circuit Court of Claims to bring that claim on uh, unlawful takings under the Fifth Amendment and the uh, Tyson Tyler versus Indiana case, or Tyler Timms versus Indiana and cruel and unusual punishment under the Eighth Amendment uh, takings violation and uh, eminent domain type thing, theft of my private property uh, under the pretense of the color of sham legal fictitious uh, service and sham legal specialty assessment lien for $500 they claim they stole it for. Well, now, didn't your wife somehow contribute to that event? Your your former no, excuse me I don't want to be uh, didn't your former partner contribute to that event of them thieving your car that day that faithful day and I remember you called into the air the day it happened ah that, did I I I, I can't I couldn't remember that part although I would be interested in knowing shortly, that was November well it's shortly November thereafter you were, you were probably in turmoil that day, but I remember you called in afterwards and ran down the whole story of what happened that day. But from, in fact, I've read some FBI uh, reports, their 302s and uh, so-called uh, officer reports or agent reports uh, post an interview, and apparently they had perverted, converted, flipped her somehow, maybe pushed her button, tripped her trigger, uh, pushed her... Um, MK Ultra button and uh, made her flip against me and maybe terrorized, threatened, or bribed her to uh, flip over to their side and become an alternative surrogate agent for the FBI and give evidence, false evidence, I mind you, against me and red flag me. And they, I mean, the whole thing is such a convoluted mess that most people couldn't figure it out, but thanks to help from above and uh, reverse engineering, systems engineering of training, uh, I've been able to figure this whole scenario out except for who all the players are. I still don't know who that criminal zone Nazi imposter was claiming to be Faith, which uh, not coincidentally was my granddaughter's name adopted at that time, or actually uh, I was the uh, guardian ad litem for her, not the adopted parent, although she was the flesh and blood grand sprint, grandchild of my bride and her promiscuous daughter that was a kind of a nefarious female in of herself. <laughs> well, is promiscuity nefarious? <laughs> the daughter was, yes, it didn't fall far from the tree. You're uh, right. <laughs> uh -huh. Well, you might have not have taken her out dancing enough, Chris. Uh, well, she wasn't a very good dancer, I have to honestly <laughs> You were unequally yoked. You were unequally yoked, She was good at the horizontal pop, pop, but that was the only dance she did well. <laughs> okay. Exactly. Uh, Patrick he joined us here on, on his Sabbath. It's a happy Sabbath there to you, Mr. Patrick. Yeah, shalom, shalom. Listen to all you fellas. Y'all having a good 
good conversation. Uh, in the 66 books, does it ever say retirement? I never can find it in there. Everybody talks about this retirement. I don't think Yahweh wants us to retire. Well, my, you know, my father called it. He called it being retarded. <laughs> there you go. That's a good answer. Yeah. All right, over to you. Gary, we didn't mean to interrupt your train of yes. thought, and I know you called in to give us some kind of point that's very valuable. Would you like to continue? Or a question. Okay, well, that's good. <laughs> I'm usually those are, questions. Um, those are even better. Yeah, the older I get, yeah, <laughs> the older I get, the more questions I have. Yeah, there answers. you go. How about that one? Amazing, huh? Um, yeah, if you keep your mind open, too, right? Yep. Um, but anyway, and that's, that's so important in life. But anyway, yeah, as Daryl was talking about, uh, I don't know if it was him or, or someone else was just mentioning a little bit ago about ass or um, about investments, and it got to thinking, you know, you know, you're talking about gold or a boat or a car or whatever, and you, you stand back and you think about the different categories. It's like, well, there's assets and there's liabilities. And precious metals, we all know that's one of the best assets one can own. And if you're, if your money's going out, like most people think of their homes as an asset, it's like I don't think so. R- ridiculous! You know, it's it, ridiculous! It's that it, thought is, it is ridiculous. It, it, yeah, it is because you know you look at the devaluation of the dollar just to start out of the gate. I I told some seniors in here a couple of years back. I, they're talking about well, the value of their homes going up. And I said. No, hold on a second. You have to look at the, what has a dollar done in, in the meantime. Maybe you're at break even. Maybe, and um, you know. So it's like it's no. It's it's a matter of the dollar that's depreciated, not the house is going up in value. The house, the value of the house hasn't gone up at all. And so it, it's so it is so. You know, like you always talk about the dialectic. It, it's so uh, hidden. And it, it's it's the opposite. And uh, but speaking of, of assets and all, is one train of thought goes into the next, as you know. And uh, and speaking of precious metals and assets, and and earlier on, you're talking about uh, the gold and silver ratio, which is man right down my alley. I just I that is so powerful. Like I called in months ago about it, and right now it's. Shoot, it's almost 90. Almost it's 90 to 1? Holy yeah. smokes. Yep. One, one source that I really, really appreciate uh, online is macrotrend.net. And to all you out there, just want, even if you want to look into any kind of uh, graphical representation, a visualization of, of um, oh, relationships, you know, ratios, uh, stocks and, and it gets into not just uh, earnings per share, but earning uh, the, the debt. Uh, but anyway, that. But I like to look at you know one you know something compared to another. Gold to silver, gold to the Dow. That really gives a person. It, it's what it's relative to, and that that means so much. Yep. And it's not just a price, but but yeah, right. Silver is just screaming by the day, so we know that that's really where the place to be. And I thought I've mentioned this to you a while back. I wish Harold Sites had a a, a silver product. Oh, yeah. now they're I'd a gold be, company, you know. 
Yeah, yeah, but but anyway, it's it's wonderful being in Carrot Bars. I'm so thankful for it and thank thankful to you for sharing that. And uh, so, but yeah, the the gold to silver ratio is so powerful. And yeah, like Daryl was talking about, they were using that way back. Well, let's go back and, for the uh, audience that may not be up on all this, and I understand that because you got to take some dedicated time and study this area. This financial stuff can be extremely as complex as the legal stuff. All right, the traditional ratio out of the ground. In other words, you send a bunch of miners scurrying around Nevada out there, around where Robert is. They, at the end of a week, when they'd come back, there the people that were looking for gold, there'd be 15 times more silver. They might have an ounce of gold that they found in a week, but there'd be 15 ounces of silver. So the normal natural ratio is about 15 to one, and you were just telling us it's now 90 to one now, there's right. a group of and I'm, people, I'm looking back yeah a, i'm looking at a chart now that goes back decades it never goes over you know it naturally never doesn't go to 100 but um but yeah 15 is just that's that is so rare to see now no you know and uh usually yeah it goes seen down that the since, 40s maybe and, but and well of course now don't forget moat silver yeah. is generally in larger veins closer to the surface and it's easier to access okay right and right. so it may be that things like the comstock load being played out have played with the natural ratios a bit but it hadn't really scored them out of the park to the extent that we see at 90 to 1. there's a group of people right. and this philosophy's been out there for a long time gary and i wonder if you do this that do nothing but play that ratio is they'll take That's that 15 exactly to right. one, and then yeah. when it goes up, and, silver's a better buy, and yeah. they go buy silver, right. and then when it comes back down and the price of silver goes up, they sell the silver and buy gold. And then they wait or and see if the ratio, well, you know, but they yeah. play that ratio. Sure, sure, absolutely. That's the idea. And that way you're always buying what's on sale, and you're selling at retail in a sense. And it's just being smart. It's being wise as a serpent, and just you know, it's a they're 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 using. We know they have these games. They play with the public for you know that's been there forever. And you know, it's just one of those things you can take advantage of. And it's just being smart with your money. Just that much smart, smarter. It's not being precious metals is fine. I mean, it's fantastic, but you can you can be ultra or uber. Um, specific and uh, focused on the better buy of, and actually platinum. <laughs> platinum is actually better than silver right now, historically speaking, uh, ratio-wise. But, but anyway, um, but just without getting too complicated, it's just gold to silver, and every so often you make a change. You, you, you pull it out of your safe you, and you change your holdings, or maybe... You're, you always have both, but you're you're changing your weighting of the two. So you're a little bit overweighted in this one and the other, and then you start gradually, it starts getting into an extremism. Okay, gold to silver starts getting up in the 80s. Yeah, you're starting to cash in some gold and starting to load up on the silver, maybe even at a lower ratio than that, maybe in the 70s. 
and they just kind of do that dance every so often. And uh, so many, it might take, so, so what if you're in a, a certain position for a few years? It doesn't matter. And um, so you're just always on the. If you're playing that game, it's virtually impossible to lose. Daryl, you were going to add something? Question. Yeah, well, uh, I I appreciate what Gary's saying. And uh, back in the day, back in the, uh, you know, 120 years ago, this uh, game was played too, but they were playing it on on as little a speculation as. uh, three tenths of a, of a point on a ratio. Okay, that's that's how close they the uh, the international money market was played between uh, England and and uh, Spain and Germany and uh, the rest of the world. I mean, these people these people knew how to do mathematics. They didn't have electric calculators. Okay, so it's a I word. Mean, you know what what Gary's talking. It's a word yeah. I mentioned the other day. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but let me throw it in there. It's just another form of arbitrage. Yeah, well, that was exactly Thank it. you. That was, that was the next word coming out of my mouth. And yep. uh, that's exactly what that is. And you can do that with all sorts of uh, commodities and or uh, land, uh, particularly if you're moving. Like uh, I have friends that uh, sold a... Uh, a uh, a residency in uh, California for about 650 and bought one four times bigger in uh, outside of Dallas for about 240. So that was an arbitrage. Yes, it was. Um, And, and so that's, that's what that, that's what that big fancy word means. And so if Uh, you take, uh, (laughs) if you take, uh, there's another word for it. Patrick says is windfall. Yeah. Well, they, oh, they, tax, they yeah. tax windfalls. Yeah, you know, they, I guess they. Yeah. I guess they tax arbitrages too. But the uh, the, not, the thing, like right now, with the if, uh, silver if, being at ninety ninety, not, 90 not, to one. Not if you're a Rothschild. Go ahead. If you're yeah, if you're, if you're true, of course, sir. If you're at ninety, if you're at ninety to one right now on the gold silver ratio, um, I would uh, I would be uh, you know buying off offloading i would be using gold to buy silver knowing that it's going to come back the other way uh you know that's right. you know so if, if if you buy if you took if you if you took twenty thousand dollars worth of gold and turned that into silver and then the ratio comes back down to uh, 85 or 80 wow then you go back and you can yep. buy gold or you know right. see how it's how it's working yeah. and that's how you play that back and forth and I, I just right. like to explain, you know, just exactly how, you know, so people have an idea of what playing the ratios mean. And so, I mean, Roger's in a great place to play the ratios. He's sitting on gold and silver's a buy. Yeah, the, yeah. Only, the only problem is the utility of gold. That's the problem I got because the, the one thing that everybody's right. concerned about is keeping it safe. Okay, and right. to do that, I yeah. I got mine down to South America and got it into a private vault. It's not affiliated with any financial institution on the globe in Uruguay. So now I got to go to Uruguay to get my hands on it to pull off the arbitrage. That's the only problem. Once again, mm. now once again, the, let me bring yeah. bring the the lack the lack of a characteristic that precious metals do lack and that is utility 
utility. Uh, care bars, hello. You know, right there. That's the beauty of that product. Yep. Patrick, you had a question? Yeah, I trade in uh, platinum and uh, uranium, and I've noticed the price is uh, more than doubled in the uranium on the uh, cat buying. We, we probably do 20 cats, 30 cats a week, and, uh, of course, we get the fiat dollar for them. Uh, that question A is why is it up over platinum, and then B, and, I sh- and then B, uh, I buy silver and Liberty Head dimes at a uh, dollar over spot. But know anywhere to buy it any any cheaper. You used to could get it without any premium, but this but 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 junk silver's gotten so scarce that they're putting a premium on it now. The premium has been already mm. paid, and that's why you didn't have to used to pay premium on that junk silver. But it shows you the scarcity gotcha. in the gotcha. marketplace. Yeah, right. And it's a byproduct, correct? A byproduct of what? I mean, well, well, when they're mining, when they're mining gold, I heard years ago that silver was found as a byproduct. It is, on, it, you know, as they were. It okay, is. Right. It's you not don't only, go in there just to mine silver. It's not right. only it's not only gold. It's lead and zinc and all these others that they find silver right. in too. Right. There's a great company out there with a fantastic business plan. I think it's called Silver Wheaton. Are you familiar with that with that oh, company? Yeah. SLW. You know, SLW. Do you know yeah. what do you yeah. know what their business format is? I don't. I they went around. Years ago, well, what they did was they went around to all these alternate miners that mine these other metals, zinc and tin and lead, and they cut a long-term deal with them and paid them up front for all of their silver production for years and years in advance. Mm. Now that, that's there a slick go. business plan, plan that, right there. Okay. It, that it is. Because the people that are mining lead don't get much silver, but they get some silver. And it's easier for them to find somebody they can just give it to that they've been paid in advance for it than mess with it, refine it, and sell it on the open market. And so, therefore, these guys have got all these tailings, if you will, of silver coming in from all these other metal mines all over the world. Yeah. Great plan. Great plan. Silver mm. wheat. Yeah, the Catholics do that. Back in the day, you could pay for your sins before you committed it. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, I had my, my, my friends, y'all would appreciate this story. My friend, now deceased, uh, uh, old-time guy who used to work for the Beatles, his wife is a big Catholic. And, and after he died and we were talking about some of this stuff, and she at her church goes in on Monday and counts all of the uh, all the tithes. Okay, the, the priest doesn't go in. I know y'all don't believe this, but the priest does not go in and count that money. He delegates it to somebody else. And so there'd be a group of them in there. A couple of them would come in every Monday and count up the collections and make all of those arrangements. And so they're counting one of the collection plates comes through, and she was telling me, she said, the lady next to her, there's four silver dollars in it. And she goes, oh, I'll take those. And she takes the silver dollars out and puts four Federal Reserve notes in its place. (laughs) (laughs) 
I just thought that was so uh, funny. I hadn't thought about that in years till just now. Uh, <laughs> it illustrates that people do not understand the value and the relationship of this paper money and this real metal. Right. It's real money. Uh, I, my friend from Absolutely. college was writing me the other day that I've mentioned a couple of times. We've been reunited here. I expect he's probably going to get him on the show one day. His nickname is Twig because he's skinny as a rail. And he went on to go to law school at LSU, and he's real active in the law community and wrote some stuff that got published in the papers that had a big backlash there in Baton Rouge on uh, land values and property taxes and he said i even got a call from the lady that runs the local the head of the naacp thanking me for the article okay and so twiggy is writing me and he's covering some of these subjects and he says after all gold's only a commodity and I wrote him back, and I said, well, oh. that's not what J.P. Morgan's told to the Senate in, in 1907 when they asked him about gold. And J.P. Morgan's response was, gold is money. That's all. Period. Yep. Okay. God's money. Yeah, that's right. Did you see that commercial? There's one online. It might, it might be YouTube. Uh, it might be on TV. I don't know. It's called Drop Gold. It's like a two-minute commercial. Yeah, they're trying to do that. And Exactly. And, and what's that tell you? Back to the dialectic. You do the opposite. And they're, they're pushing people towards crypto. That's fine. But, you know, as we're, you were talking about earlier, the central banks around the world, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't take a rocket scientist. It's one-on-one stuff. They're loading up. They're buying tonnage. And... Like uh, Jim Willie was talking about in that great interview a couple weeks back, fantastic. Um, as they're loading up on gold, that reset, it, it all, it's all dovetailing together. And so I, I meant to get into this a little bit. That I think what's happening, you can kind of see the different fingerprints around the world that are involved. And Jim was talking about, um, yeah, the central banks getting their footing, getting just, that's like you're saying, that's why they're keeping it low, keeping it suppressed and all manipulated. So they're loading up the coffers and for the, the coming reset. And I think it's going to be, uh, and it kind of dovetails a little bit with gold polling. And I think there's a digital asset element along with gold. And Jim was talking about in that interview of Jim Willie's, like, yeah, it was about two weeks ago. He was talking about, and you were mentioning this earlier, or maybe it was Daryl, that was talking about uh, the global debt. But also he mentioned, if you recall, if you, if you saw it, the trade deficit. So you, you, got, you need to take that into account for, I mean, talk about a complicated oh, it's complex. feat to pull this thing off. And I don't, I'm not so sure, this is my, just my two cents here, I'm not so sure as everyone's waiting for this crash, the chaos, and all that to ensue and all, I'm not so sure. I think it might be to where they reset things, and um, I don't know how that would look on people's, in their bank accounts, so to speak, um, but Jim was talking about, According to a country's global debt and their trade deficit, 
that's what their price of gold will be. If you have a lot of debt, you're going to pay for gold. And if you have a minimal debt, you'll buy it at wholesale, more or less. So, um, so I don't know how they're boy, it's so complicated. It's a mind bender. It really is. It is. Um, but I, I think they're going to bring in a digital asset somehow connected. And the reason I say that is I know there's a consensus protocol. I do ultimately think the world will uh, operate from a digital asset basis. It might take years. This might be 10 years. Who knows? But I think it's going to be more or less consensus protocol, not proof of work, which is Bitcoin and all. And that's, you know, more or less might be just digital storage or your uh, some sort of storage of value, digitally speaking. But consensus protocol, I don't know if you know much about that. But I've done a the deep dive on it, and it does make a lot of sense. And um, you're not mining and using up a tremendous amount of power and all. And uh, it's, it's, it's like the term says, consensus. You're just getting agreement to acknowledge a certain transaction. So they're... But the IMF, uh, backing up here a bit, because I know we're running out of time, the IMF is, uh, has been meeting with a digital asset company. Yeah, they are meeting with Ripple. I know that's a, 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 a four-letter word, but um, they're a consensus protocol, and they're going to more or less be a bridge asset, and they're not so much... I don't know if they're going to be so much a currency, but they're, uh, they're going to be a bridged asset for uh, cross-border payments. So I think there's some sort of, I don't know this for a fact, I certainly don't. It's so complicated. But I think there's this reset coming to where, yes, gold will have to play a part because they know, these powers of be know that's real money, oh, they, like it's been said. And so do the people now. And, you know, the people are becoming oh, yeah. more educated. Um, let me bring one element, up. a wrinkle in here, Gary, and I sent this story out to several of you that are, you know, on instant communication stuff. Uh, there was a story on Zero Hedge this week that Russia is seriously talking about putting out a totally 100% gold-backed token. You read that article. Yeah, there you go. Okay. Yeah. And, and that, that article, yep. and they got into the article, and you saw the headline. I got excited. I opened it up and started reading it. And so you get down to one point, and she's going, the, the person that's speaking for the Central Bank of Russia says, well, we don't see this as a a useful tool in regular commerce. What we want to do with this is trade balance of trade payments and put a standard in that's 100% backed by gold where countries can again pay their bills to the other country, but they don't have to worry about taking the gold over the mountains and getting it boosted by the robbers. Okay. Once again, the word I mentioned, and this is what I've learned personally, the word that I think that you can attribute to any of the coins, be it tokens or cyber coins, is utility. Gold has very little utility. Silver's got even less. Right, right. Because you can carry $50,000 of gold in your hand. You you can't carry $50,000 worth of silver to the other room. Correct. 
Right. And that utility, utility, utility see, I had never thought about that. Factors. I'd been a gold owner for 20 right. years, and I'd never considered that, okay, because you yeah. never had the yeah. option until the coins came along. And when I That's first right. started That's getting right. into Bitcoin, and I've told the story before, I got a, a little uh, a platonic uh, little girl that I'm friends with in Russia that I met down in Argentina. And I wanted to get her involved in Gladiacoin. And so I needed to send her a tenth of a, a Bitcoin. And I hit the button, and I got her on Skype, and you could hear the ding. Ding! Okay, I got it. And I went, holy smokes, yeah. man. I mean, That's until you have that experience, you can't appreciate right. the utility of the coins, the cyber coins. Exactly right. Yeah, and you know that's the future. It's like, you know, we exchange emails, texts, whatever, in seconds. Just boom. It's, it's there. Why isn't the Internet of value, as they call it, why isn't that in place? Well, it's in process of and uh, Internet of value. That's and, and I should also add, uh, for the talking about this space in the future, is the announcement the other day. Facebook is coming out with their own coin to facilitate payments globally. And it's also going to be integrated into Snapchat and Instagram, which they also own and control. Do you know how many people that covers on the globe? Take a guess. 2.7 billion. Holy cow. Wow. That's a chunk. Okay. That's one third. Or, it's the future. Yeah. It's coming. Get ready. Start learning. Get yourself some sort of a position you're comfortable with because I guarantee you the first time. Now, Patrick, you haven't messed with these cyber coins at all. You're just getting into it. The first time that you send money somewhere, you're going to see what we're talking about. It's cool. But you got a personally cool. experience. You can't have somebody tell it to you. It's a personal experience you got to go through. Yeah. And the first time you do it, here's what's going to happen. In front in that front of your mind, right behind your forehead, in big flashing red letters of neon, it's going to say future, future, future. future. Yep. I'm yep. going to take it out of circulation and set on it. Well, that's okay. <laughs> But the first time you ever send any, that is the, I think that's the first amazement that I had getting into this space was that experience right there. And partially what made it so impactful to me was I've been going through holy hell to get money into Argentina for five, six, seven years. And you don't even want to yeah. know the horror story of that. And now here comes a medium where somebody can just go, boop. And send it in to me. Yeah. I got nobody wanting percentages. I got to go through no banks. I got to ask nobody's permission. Yeah. Bam. It's just there. Remember what Andrea. Andrea Antonopoulos, what he said a couple of years back, he said um, instead of having a bank, you, you become the bank. That's right. And that's just. I saw, worded something along that line and where you become your own bank. And that's just really well, 
Patrick, back at home. Patrick's That's- just getting into this, okay? And I'm going to tell you, I was telling him last night to lo- to go download a blockchain wallet. Open up a blockchain.com account. It's the most popular wallet in the world. Andre Antonopoulos is the security advisor for him. And then you will take and put that on your cell phone and you link those two together, okay? And once you've got that on your cell phone, Patrick, and hooked up to that account, you can do every single thing that a Swiss bank can do. You can make loans, you can do mortgages, you can transfer, you can receive, you can do every single thing a bank can do. And that's what scares the hell out of these people about this. Something needs to scare them. Well, hopefully between that and the other factors that are out there, they'll get some scared in them, and I think they do, okay? Uh, I wanted to talk about tariffs today, and we got off on this monetary thing, which is fine, but at some point next week, we're going to talk about tariffs and the... Whoa, get down there. Get down there, buddy. Get the... Holy smokes. I can't control the volume. (laughs) <laughs> All right, hold on. I'll get it another way. There we go. Giddy up. Look, I got it. it doesn't even control when I use the volume knob. We'll be back with Brent tomorrow. All right, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm just cut the damn thing off. We'll be back with Brent tomorrow. And I got, obviously, my update screwed up some of my settings somewhere. Uh, so I'll get to work on that, and I'll see you guys tomorrow uh, with Brent, and Jim Ram is next, so have a great day. And no music. Love and, it, you got to live it. Well, I'll tell you what, man, I'll tell you, some of this computer stuff drives me crazy. Uh, the show will cut off at, at the end here on the timer. Jim Ram's next. We'll be back with Brent tomorrow, and I'm sure he's going to have some very interesting and wholesome things that we can hear and talk about. So you guys just have a real good day, and I hope you got something out of today's discussion, and uh, we'll look for you tomorrow. How about that? Adios. So, so with no music, adios. i got to say adios here and uh, try and go troubleshoot this little snafu. I'll see you guys tomorrow. Ciao, ciao, guys. Bye, Candio. Later.